What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics. Episode 122. I am your host, Matt Hennepin. I am here with my co-host, Isaiah Burrows. Isaiah, what's going on, man? I'm feeling good. Thursday football. Something about it. It's game day. It is. How weird is it that there's a Mountain West football game on a Thursday, specifically a Nevada one? It's really weird. I mean, in the middle of the week, you know, you're kind of preparing for that weekend. You know, like Thursday's kind of that get-me-over day to get me to Friday and then Friday through the weekend. So to have Nevada football play tonight at 4 p.m. at Mackey Stadium, it's going to be really weird. But you know what? Football is football, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I, like, woke up this morning. It's like, okay, I have this class and this class and this class. Oh, wait. Nevada football's playing today. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's – oh, well. I mean, at this point – I'm just lucky we're playing games, especially with some of the cancellations going on in the conference. Take every game like a blessing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, game is at 4 p.m. tonight. Isaiah, I have one question to ask you. Yes. What time do you think the game is in London? 9 p.m.? No. Am I close at all? Kind of close. You're a couple hours off. 7 p.m. 11 p.m. It's halfway across the world. It's not going to be three hours later than here. That's right. So it's 11 p.m. No. 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 It's midnight. Oh, you got to know this. Right. You, you got to know this. I say. Yeah. Big London. Big London audience. Yeah, we're, watching Nevada football games. We're, yeah. Shout out the fans at London. Oh yeah, big London podcast. We are. You hey, got to expand your audience somehow. Yeah, I mean it's all about finding that demographic. Right. We don't need Reno audience. We need London audience. No, we so. need both. We need both. We need honestly. both. We need everyone. Everyone, even halfway across the world, included. You know they're tuning in. You already know. If you're from London, send us DM it. We will shout you out. Oh, yeah. We big will time. shout you out to all the podcasters someone's from time. London listening to this. That's that's For facts. all the fans, including London, we have some news to get to. So there was a couple things that broke these past couple of days. One of them was wide out Elijah Cooks. Could be out for the season. We don't know yet. He could be having season-ending shoulder surgery. They haven't specifically said it's season-ending. Coach Jay Norvell said it was. It, there's a good chance of it happening. But if he's out with shoulder surgery, there's six games left, so one would think that he would be out for the season. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, to say the least, because coming off that monstrous junior campaign he had, there was so much expectation and opportunity for him to just take another step and really cement himself as one of the best players in the conference and you know, one of the best receivers on the team. But luckily, what we've seen throughout these past two games is we do have some depth and a lot of talent at wide receiver with guys like Justin Lockhart, Melquan Stovall, Romeo Dubs, and um, Cole, Turner. Cole Turner at tight end. So there's so many faces and so many new aspects to the offense that we've really been able to see. And I think Nevada quarterback Carson Strong is really developing a nice chemistry with all of them. So as much as this hurts the pack, which it does, having that physical presence, especially when you get into the 20s, having that big-bodied receiver who can get up there and make those type of catches can really hurt your offense. But I think Nevada's wide receiving core has shown a lot of growth and a lot of maturity to this point. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think we'll step up as a unit. No, I agree with you there. A benefit, so to speak, would be he's able to come back next year because the NCAA granted an extra year of eligibility for all fall athletes. So even if any other player got injured, they would be able to turn next year with that same eligibility. It's definitely he only, he only played one half of football this year, and he had two catches for, I think, 24 yards. So It's definitely 
that comfort, you know what I mean? It gives you a little bit of stability on that end for your future, and that's big because that would mean, you know, heading into his junior year, or redshirt junior year, Carson Strong would have even more familiarity with the offense if Cooks decides to come back and do that. So I guess that's something to look forward to the future. But for now, that's next man up mentality. Yep. I'm really excited to see how Justin Lockhart performs now. From here on out, he's already shown so much growth, a lot of potential, and he's been able to make those t- kind of tough contested catches in the end zone, kind of play that Cooks role. So you think he is the, the guy to step up? Uh, outside, let's say outside, yes, of, outside. Dubs. outside yes. of Dubs. Outside of And I would say so just because of his big-bodied frame, his physical nature, and his ability to just make those types of contested catches, which he's, we've seen throughout these two games. So really excited to see how he does. And obviously this just puts an even bigger spotlight on Romeo Dubs after the season he's having, just absolutely tearing apart the Mountain West Conference. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously it's unfortunate news, but we've seen – the offense as a whole step up with his absence. So I'm looking forward to it, no matter what happens. And I tweeted this on the Pack Center account last night. Dubs has been the best receiver in the Mountain West so far. He has he's, he leads all Mountain West receivers in receptions with 19, in receiving yards with 336, in yards per reception. He's fifth in yards per reception with 17.7. He's tied for first in total touchdowns with two. He is averaging 168 yards per game, which leads the nation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he leads the conference in all-purpose yards. So it's like this dude has been just out of his – playing out of his mind these first two games. Again, small sample, but – Hey, that's all we can go yeah, off of to right. this point. Oh, yeah, that's Mountain West Conference Player of the Year award-worthy if he continues this type of success. And you just see it right now. The game's really coming easy to him. Doesn't look like he's struggling much out there, just getting past the second level of the defense with his blazing speed and ability after the catch. So this just brings an even more emphasis to get him the ball, especially out in space. So I guess we'll see if the offense takes him in that step of direction. But, yeah. If you prorate his receptions and yards over an eight-game season, he would have 76 catches for, like, 1,344 yards in eight games. Eight games. Just imagine if that was like an entire, like, if we were just living a normal life. Of course, that's not sustainable at all, but that's still just wild to think about. No, especially he's just been putting up some eye-popping numbers to this point, and it's <laughs> it's just been so crazy, especially coming off that game after UNLV yeah. where he just torched him. <laughs> just absolutely torched him. Yeah, so. I mean, he took the cannon back by himself. Yeah. He's like, here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just grab the rope. All right. That's what he does. Yeah. Anyways, getting to our second piece of news, Nevada is going to still have 250 fans, or not 250 fans, but they'll have a maximum of 250 family members of the players and coaches from both teams um, at Mackey tonight. So there's not going to be any fans allowed. So we want it to go up. It's not going up right now. No, And understandably so. It's, there's, we're not like saying it shouldn't or anything, but at some point this year you would, in theory, like to see fans at Mackey Stadium. That's not happening right now. No, you're absolutely right. With these rising COVID cases, you're seeing the state take those types of precautionary measures, and unfortunately that's going to affect Nevada football and potentially Nevada basketball when the season rolls around. Right now, I just think I have no idea. Yeah, Nevada basketball announced yesterday that they're not going to have any fans for the non-conference games. That's another piece of news that we didn't even add. See, it just shows the impact in this, in this kind of unprecedented world we're living in, and that's... 
I honestly have no idea if fans will ever be allowed at Mackey Stadium this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, this is our second home game. we got two more left. I just don't see much upward mobility or improvement in terms of public gatherings. And there's just not much optimism to the future right now. I mean, hopefully we can, but if not, I think the product on the field will hopefully stay the same. And as I mentioned previously, I'm just happy to have games. Just being grateful at that standpoint because we've already seen cancellations and we don't know week by week if a game is going to take place. So with or without fans, it's going to affect the product on the field. So let's just hope we can continue Nevada football throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Utah State or do you want to start – or like Utah State offense or do you want to start with Nevada? Let's start with the Utah State offense. I mean, yeah, we, we talk about Nevada every single yeah. podcast. So Yeah, get into this preview. Utah State – has had a very rough start to their season. They've faced the two best teams in the conference in San Diego State and Boise State. They've been outscored 80-20. to 20. Not good. No, not at all. But can you blame them? At some points, yes. No, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when you're facing Boise State and SDSU to start the schedule, they, got, start the they got rolled by both teams. I mean, both teams. They missed good. Jordan Love, man, I guess, like, Badly. I mean, you saw him make some plays last year at Mackey. Just it wasn't at Mackey. His... It was in Utah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It was in Logan. Yeah. I mean, you saw him make some plays just to keep some drives alive, and they, they kind of missed that dynamic playmaking ability in the backfield outside of running back Jalen Warren. But it's very difficult to judge how poorly they've been just because they faced, like you said, the two toughest teams in the division they'll, they'll in the be... conference as a whole. and. They'll be facing the two, or no, they'll be facing the three best teams in the conference in their first three weeks. That's no. rough. I mean, that's just a rough start to your schedule. <laughs> I Listen, they're, but hey, they're going from top to bottom. I mean. Yeah, from one to three. Get the hardest ones out first, I guess. I, I guess. I mean, and that's why I'm at least expecting a better game tonight from that standpoint, just because I don't expect Nevada to just absolutely steamroll him like Boise State or SDSU did, but I still expect, I know we'll get into this later, but I still expect Nevada to win comfortably. Just in some aspects, I think we'll see a lot of improvement offensively from Utah State. Mm-hmm. And starting out with the quarterback spot, we mentioned like how they, well, how I said they missed like Jordan Love. Jason Shelley has not been great so far. He's a transfer from Utah. He's only completed 56% of his passes for 180 yards with the touchdown and two interceptions in two games. He has the lowest yards per attempt in the nation among 101 quarterbacks at 3.8. That, that is a that is literally like a dink. <laughs> that is not testing the secondary. I mean, 3.8 yards per attempt. Holy moly. That is just so you just can't build anything offensively if that's what you're stringing together consistently on a drive. And mm-hmm. I think that's why – I think that points to their offensive struggles as a whole this year is just because they're not able to do that. They're not able to really make any big plays to get themselves back into the game. A lot of it relies on their defense who are on the field constantly and the opposing teams are putting up monster points. So when you're having that type of you know, like lose-lose scenario on both sides of the football – it's not good, and you're seeing it play out to this point. 
Yeah, two plays with 20-plus yards in the season. Oh, my goodness. You see Nevada get back-to-back 20-plus yard plays on a drive <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, it's like they've that had is... two the entire nation heading into yesterday. That was last in the nation, Gary Anderson said. Lack of explosive plays. They'll, they'll need to be explosive on tonight to beat the pack. We know that Shelley hasn't performed well to this point, but one optimist, you know, like one... Silver lining. Silver lining, yep. And one kind of key component to their offense is running back Jalen Warren, who is expected to play tonight. Yeah, he was out last game with the leg injury. He's on the depth chart. I'm expecting him to play, but we're not like 100% sure yet. Yeah, and if he's healthy and when he's on the field, he's easily the best player offensively for Utah State. Mm-hmm. Just another dynamic running back the Nevada defense has to face. I mean, Not as good as the first two, not, but still really good. It's in a Utah State perspective, we go from one to three <laughs> in a lot of ways, going from Valade to the Chuck Wagon, Charles Williams, and now to Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren poses his own threat with his kind of dynamic duo ability. And I'll be interested to see just how the Nevada defense reacts to his play because – to their credit, Nevada's done a good part in keeping the run game at bay in a lot of ways. They haven't let Williams or Valade really expose them to this point. So I'm expecting to see that play out with Jalen Warren to this point, but he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's a difference maker for them. Yeah, he was the best player on the field for or for Utah State against Boise State. He had 23 carries for 89 yards and two touchdowns. So he obviously was their only bright spot after losing by 30. Yeah, I mean, he's a big physical runner. When he gets to that second level, he's kind of hard to stop. He's an agile dude. No, he's good. And especially out wide for Utah State, Devin Tompkins or Jordan Nathan, they can have, you know, they can test the pack secondary. I know with Devin Tompkins, he can make a lot happen after the catch. Some of those, I'm ex- that's why I was so surprised to see those yards per attempt be so low because Tompkins' ability to just kind of burst right out of his own routes and what he does with the ball in his hands can extend a lot of plays and take a five-yard slant route for 15, 20 yards. He's able to do that. So he's another name to definitely keep an eye on, as well as Jordan Nathan. So they do have some threats out wide and in the backfield, but consistently as a unit facing Boise State and SDSU, they were massively exposed. And we talked about Boise State and San Diego State being the two best teams in the conference. They're arguably the two best defenses in the conference and likewise two best secondaries in the conference. Yeah, I mean, that's why... It's just so tough. You look at the box score and you think, oh, these guys are terrible. But yeah. that's not always the case. When you're starting your season out in these COVID-like times where you can't develop a lot of chemistry as a unit and there's so much makeshift going on in the conference as a whole, it's difficult to be playing Boise State and SDSU as an offense. I mean, they are loaded on both sides of the football, especially defense. They take pride. Both programs take pride in that part of the ball. And you see it. They produce NFL caliber talent year in and year out in a lot of ways. Nevada will face San Diego State in two weeks, obviously, but hopefully I'm just, the curiosity part of me wants to see Nevada line up against Boise State and see. Just see if we match up. Yeah. I think we Romeo Dubs versus that secondary. (sighs) Our, yeah, our skill position players versus any of the members of those secondaries. That's, that's like a strength on strength. Along with the talent. I know we're kind of switching gears a little bit, but along (laughs) with the talent on paper, but you know, that could really be a battle of the sidelines, too, between both head coaches, just to see the different schemes and how to attack each defense. That'd be really interesting to see. Hopefully, we'll get a chance yeah. to see it. Yeah, knock, knock on, on wood. wood. Knock on wood there. <laughs> but um, getting back to Utah State, yeah, I mean, offensively, they've been struggling. 
going up against two of the toughest defenses in the conference. But I'm expecting a little bit of improvement tonight. Maybe nothing much, but something to... Something for if you're a Utah State fan listening to this podcast to hang your hat on. Yes, most definitely. I expect them to... build momentum. Yeah, I'm expecting them to reach the double digits, which I know doesn't sound optimistic, but looking at their past two games, that could be something to build off of. So I think that's it on the offensive end if we've touched on it. But I mean, hey, they scored double digits in week one and got dropped, so maybe just keep it a more competitive game and not fall behind in the first half and having to battle back, but... Yeah, I mean, only putting up seven points last week. Ugh. Not good. Now, switching over to the defensive side defensive of things. Defensive end. Once again, the numbers aren't eye-popping, but they have some talent on this side of the field, or side of the ball, I should say, and especially on the defensive front that we will touch on. So, I mean, they're 45th in the nation in scoring defense at 26.5 points per game. That's not too terrible, especially, you know, being 27th in the nation and 4th in the conference in total defense. And they're also in the top half of defensive efficiency. So there is, they pose some problems defensively for us tonight. And I'm expecting, you know, some fireworks to go off. Maybe some plays to be made by Utah State in that regard. Maybe they can capitalize on a few mistakes. Maybe force a fumble. Maybe Strong throws an, an errant interception or two. And this is the type of defense that can take advantage of it. We just need to see the offense consistently string together drives. I don't know if they're able to do that to this point, but defensively, they can hold their own at some points. And that's one of the things we really need to keep an eye on, I think, especially as Nevada. You can't just keep your take your foot off the gas pedal and take this team for granted because I think they're hungry. I think they're ready to get a win to start mm-hmm. the year, especially coming off those two losses, and they should be ready to go defensively. Yeah, so, I mean, we know about Nevada's offense. We know about how dominant Carson Strong has been. Something that, like, we kind of like brushed under the rug a little bit with Carson Strong is he leads the nation with 230 straight passes without an interception. Knock on wood if that can stay. But that leads the nation, and that's the second most in Mountain West history. I don't think we've mentioned that at all, and that's a ridiculous Especially especially him being a redshirt freshman last year. He wasn't prone to making a lot of mistakes. I know he didn't make a lot of big plays and a lot of big drives last year, but to his credit, he rarely turned the ball over and throw an interception, and that statistic proves that that is impressive. Yeah, and he's had four straight 300-yard passing games. And... Yeah, oh, and this year, I mean, I know we've talked about it on previous podcasts, just the growth and maturity with Carson Strong. You had a great piece in Nevada Sagebrush kind of like outlining that. Oh, please, thank you. Please, yeah. go, please go check it out if you haven't read that already. No, thank you. Yeah, that's one he deserves some recognition, just being able to – you're seeing him putting in the work in the offseason with his deep ball and improving his leadership qualities and just finding ways to put this Wolfpack program where they want to be. And his numbers and his improvement really go beyond just how eye-popping his numbers have been thus far. And I'm looking for him to take advantage of at least a, a suspect Utah State secondary. Can we say that at least? They're not the most proven Outside part. of Shaq Bond, it's a little, it's a little iffy. There's uncertainty. Yeah, I'm looking for Strong to take advantage in that aspect. And once again, really looking forward to hopefully balancing the run once again from Nevada's perspective just to keep our offense on game and keeping the defense off balance and on guard. So I know San Diego State is a machine on the ground. They had 407 yards rushing versus Utah State last weekend. My goodness. That's the seventh most 
rushing yards a team has allowed in the nation, like for anyone. That's a lot. <laughs> That's just a lot. Four hundred seven. They allowed five hundred seventy yards of offense. Again, San Diego State. When we talk about San Diego State, when we get to that, they're going to pound the football. That's what that's, they do. That's their identity. That's what they do. I and mean, so that's not – to see them have a lot of rushing yards is not super surprising, but 407. They had nearly eight yards of carry as a team. That is ridiculous. That's insane. That's just ridiculous. And for San Diego State, they don't really have one key component to their running game. They have like three or four guys who can all – tote the rock in that aspect it's ridiculous and that's why once again when you're going up against san diego state and boise state to start the season <laughs> we're beating a we're beating a drum here yes. don't think nevada's gonna win by 40 yeah i just don't see that happening not and it's not in our part saying like oh we're yes we're less talented in i would say various aspects on maybe not various but in several aspects according to you know when compared to those two programs and more importantly, I just think Utah State's going to be a bit hungrier, mm-hmm. a little more ready, knowing this can be a winnable game for them. And I think they're going to come out more aggressively. So Nevada needs to respond, and they need to keep their foot on the gas pedal. We've been saying that so much on this podcast, but it's something they need to do. They cannot take them the Aggies for granted. Mm-hmm. and They can't just come out slow because you, we've seen dating back to week one against Wyoming what can happen. doesn't matter who's out there on the field. It can be a backup quarterback. The game can still be played, yeah. and it can still get close still and pricey, play, and you have to make plays. Something I always like to say, you still got to play the games. No matter what, I don't care how much you're favored by or what, which we are favored by. A lot of points, yeah. and we'll get to that later. Yeah. So, are we touching back in on this Utah State defense? Yeah. I mean, Knock it out. Yeah, gosh. I, I just think one of the key components to keep the Utah State defense on the field is to keep attacking in the run game. We saw a lot of growth. And a lot of improvement from Toa Tower when he returned, combined with Devontae Lee. And as a team, just from week one to week two. Most definitely. And now adding Avery Morrow to the mix, just giving that new element to our offense. It doesn't all have to be on strong shoulders. That's going to be, in my opinion, really important. Obviously, we've talked about him before with Romeo Dubs, just how amazing he's been. I'm expecting him to continue. Maybe not a career high, what was it, 211 or 219? Is it official yet? Or... It's still 219, but, I mean, what if Romeo does goes for 250 yards tonight? He's able to. He could do all-purpose, too, if he's catching a few punts. Well, be able to. all-purpose would be, I think, running and passing. I don't know if punts would count. Maybe. Is punts not? I thought punts I don't counted. think so. I, you know what? I'm probably wrong. I'm. You know what? Because I'm, when I was looking, when I was digging around, it was he had like four rushing yards. So Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, 336 plus 4 is 340. Hashtag math. We're a big math pod. <laughs> big math. Big math guys. Or at least one of us is. But big stats guys. But yeah, I just think give him the ball as much as possible. Feed the beast. That is Romeo Dubs. And that could be downfield, quick screens, anything over the middle. Just take advantage of whatever Utah State's giving you. You know, Utah State does have a solid front seven. They can generate some pressure. And can we keep strong upright and keep them in the pocket and keep them in a lot of ways protected that'll be interesting to see still in one of my takeaways did i really yeah you're absolutely right i'm so sorry (laughs) we have it in the notes right here but hey i'll here i'll get to that i'll get to that but yeah that's just 
But hey, oh. hey, hey, great minds think alike. Thank you. That's a great point. That's just one of the things, just keeping our offense balanced. I thought, you know, going back to that UNLV performance last week was really, really solid. You saw some different looks offensively. Great balance offensively. Let's keep that up. I think definitely one of the things that Utah State has shown the inability to do is to adjust defensively. And if you want to pound the rock and you do it with success, you can continue to pound the rock. If you want to throw for a bunch of yards and air them out, you can do that too. You just have to be consistent and aggressive, and all of a sudden you can build up quite a substantial lead against them. So it's just getting to that point, right? It just has to – you have to score the points <laughs> for you Listen, to win, obviously. A lot of data backs us up. You have a better chance at winning if you score points than if you don't. That's a great fact. I That makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to touch on defensively for Utah State? Um, they have a couple nice, like, inside linebackers. Cash Gilliam has kind of burst out of the scene a little bit. He had 15 tackles all of last year. He has 19 already this year, top five in the conference. He already has a couple tackles for loss and one and a half sacks. And so, he's been really good. Impressive. Or, and just one, no, one sack, not one and a half, one. Still impressive. Mm-hmm. Much improved. And they have Kevin... Meitzenheimer, I don't know how you say his name, but he's one of their top leading tacklers from last year's team, and he's also been really good. Just a couple names to keep an eye on Mm -hmm. on that front seven. They got some athletic guys back there, and, you know, I just think it'll be interesting to see how Nevada attacks them because we've seen two different types of offenses, maybe not two different, like completely different types from Wyoming to UNLV, but you're seeing more growth and a lot more plays different aspects being thrown at defenses so i'm expecting that to continue against utah state and i touched on a little bit with shaq bond he's one of the better defensive backs in the mountain west he's their strong safety he could crowd up in the box i don't know if i don't anticipate him doing it that much he's also just good at just reading the opposing quarterback and making plays off of that and so he could be a factor tonight in that secondary yeah he's definitely someone to keep an eye on he's now watching some of the film on him, he's fast. Sideline to sideline, he can oh, yeah. he can make up some ground. So, you know, obviously you want to test the secondary as much as you can, but responsibly. You know, you don't have to always do it errantly or anything like that. And, you know, I'm just expecting another strong pre- – wow, I'm not – again with these puns, I'm sorry. I'm expecting another solid performance from Nevada on both sides of the ball. But Utah State, I think, is going to come out – bit more aggressive a bit more hungrier and i think that's why heading into our keys to the game i think if we get these types of components to the game down i think nevada will come out with a win so you want to kick yours off no i was i was going to ask you i i could get right into it yeah yeah i mean i got a few keys to the game that i've already kind of previously mentioned but my three first to one, be exact three three keys to the game three. not four not seven not five not six, six not seven not eight <laughs> Shout yeah, out LeBron. Yeah, shout out LeBron. He, you LeBron. know he's listed to LeBron, this podcast. If LeBron, if you're listening to the pod, send us a DM. By the way, did you see, before we get into it, have you seen Shaq's tweet? I did. Yeah. He Okay, so for the listeners who don't know, he said, my nephew's Justin Lockhart, and then Hall, it's kind of weird, first career touchdown, congratulations, nephew, great throw and field leadership by Carson Strong, keep up the great work with the young man, and then he added Jay Norvell. And then he said some other stuff. I'm not going to repeat it because one of them has a curse word. But Shaq giving some credit to Nevada. 
Shout out. Shout out Shaq. Shout out Shaq. Shaq, if you ever want to come on the pod. You're more than welcome. Same with you, LeBron. Both. Yeah. At the same time. Both of them are welcome on the pod. Talk some about athletics. We don't have enough mics if both of you were to come, but we would share. Yeah. We would happily share. If you want to host the podcast. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Getting back to the keys to the Isaiah, game. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah, what are your three keys to the game? Um, as I mentioned previously, just keep the balanced run game going. Toa Tower, Devontae Lee, Avery Morrow showed a lot of strides last week. Really put the UNLV defense on its heels. Opened up a lot in the secondary for Strong to take advantage with his awesome deep accuracy this year. So let's keep that going. Adds a new element to our offense and can really keep the Utah State defensive front tired, fatigued, worn down, and just keep continuing to milk the clock. My second one is to really take advantage of Utah State's poor secondary outside of Bond in that regard, because if you're keeping the run game balance, there's going to be a lot of holes in the secondary for Strong to take advantage, which he's done throughout this year. We have the keys with or without Elijah Cooks to really get this done. So I'm expecting more big plays. It's what's really put us and one of the best offensive teams in the Mountain West this year is our big plays and being able to just string together, you know, a three-play, 65, 70-yard drive. In a matter of minutes, we're scoring six points. So let's keep that up on the offensive side of things if you want to go about it. No matter what, this Utah State defense is susceptible to both the run and the pass when, you know, done consistently and correctly as we've seen these past two weeks. So let's strike while the iron's hot. And third, I'm switching to the defensive side of things, and it's really containing Jalen Warren and Devin Tompkins. Those are two of Utah State's most explosive playmakers, very potent in the open field. Contain them. I think Nevada's defense, as previously mentioned, has done a great job of containing the focal point of each team's offense with Charles Williams, with Valaday. So it needs to continue if we want to keep having success. So those are my three keys. Pretty simple, straightforward, but easy to kind of realign and can see how it can translate to a win. What are your three keys? One, win in the trenches. Nevada's done a pretty good job this year on the offensive line. They've at least shown some improvement from last year. But we're on a short week. No one's used to this. And so the preparation is different. Going back to what you said, um, the run game, keep it going, that would keep us on the field longer. And if we have a good run game, then – Thus, we're winning in the trenches. And so if we can do that offensively and then defensively, we can get a push on their offensive line. We could force Warren and force Shelley into some bad situations to kind of make it not as comfortable like they faced in their first two games because the lack of explosive plays. They've had, again, two plays of 20-plus yards all season, so they haven't been explosive in that regard. Let's keep it that way. Number two, keep strong upright. Part of that, keep winning the trenches, is good pass protection. Yes, Carson Strong has been outstanding this season. He's looked really comfortable, really poised. We've talked about all that. But there's going to be at some point where a team is going to look at Nevada and Carson Strong and being like, hey, we need to put pressure on them. Let's throw five guys, six guys, seven guys. Let's make it uncomfortable in the pocket. On the other hand, if a team were to do that, that would create more one-on-one matchups on the outside. So that's what's, that's something defenses have to keep like keep in mind. But... If you put pressure on Strong, you have a better chance of getting him down with this offensive line. Again, this offensive line has been good to their credit, but 
we've, we saw points last year it being bad. It's mostly in the run game, but it was still bad at points. Or at a lot of points, actually. Yeah, you're right. And so if we can keep, if we can keep strong upright, then again he'll have that time in the pocket. He'll be able to step into throws. He won't be have to won't be able to have to go on the run. And so it makes things easier for him, and thus easier for the offense. And the third one is contain the quarterback in the pocket. This is the third straight week that we're facing a semi-mobile quarterback. There has been at times in the last few games or in the last two games where. Levi Williams or Max Gilliam extend plays and they've gotten they've converted on some first downs when it's been second down, third down, and even fourth down, specifically against UNLV. And so if we can if we can contain him and make it harder for him in the pocket, like adding pressure and maybe spying him a little bit or something, then we can make it harder for this offense and win this game. No, I like your three key takeaways. Those are big. I mean, and it seems like you know, as you mentioned, keeping strong upright. That's not just a key for this week. That's, That's a, key a key for every week. For every week. And just to see his development outside of the pocket. Same with winning the trenches. Oh, most definitely. I mean, especially with this offensive line, makeshift unit in some aspects, new faces. So it's important. No, those are great three keys. And it's like Utah State isn't a great pass rushing team, but they might be looking at this week and being like, all right, let's make it uncomfortable for this guy. And certain down and distance situations yeah in a lot of ways that just comes down to effort and i think they will be showing a f- like showcasing a full pledged effort i think they want to get back into the win column and yeah and it's like they're sick and tired of being on the field for 35 40 plus minutes a game they're going to be like all right if it's like a third and six they're gonna be like let's pressure the quarterback yeah. let's get after him let's let's make it hard on him. let's get let's force the ball out quickly and that's something strong hasn't faced a lot of this year and that's something you really touched on. That's a really good point to your credit. Awesome. So getting into some predictions. What's your prediction? Well, just to open up, I know Nevada was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite on multiple sports books over Utah State. I'm going with the under, just As of barely. today, it's 18. Is it? Has it expanded to 18? Oh, yeah, it like oh, expanded overnight. So I'm going, I guess you could say, not significantly, but a good chunk under. I'm taking the under. I have Nevada winning 31 to 18, start the year off 3 and 0. That'd be awesome. I still think Nevada will win kind of like a, a comfortable, maybe not a dominant victory as we have shown over these past two games, but I think it'll be a comfortable victory nonetheless. I just think Utah State will come out hungrier in some aspects and maybe take the game close to the first half, but ultimately just big plays and a lot of deficiencies on Utah State's part will put Nevada into victory, and especially in the second half. I think Nevada will control the pace and the tempo and really start to pull away. So 31-18, to 18, Nevada over Utah State. That is my prediction for this Thursday. Thursday night football. It's not a game between two semi-mediocre NFL teams. It's a, it's a Mountain West football. Actually, ten, I mean, tonight it's Green Bay, San Francisco, although – COVID has put some guys out, like Reno native, or not Reno native, but from Reno, Brandon Ayuk. He's yeah. out. He's on yeah. the COVID list. Reno Husky, Brandon Ayuk. I thought it was McQueen. Is it McQueen? Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right, in fact. But anyways. It's actually what? a watchable game. And this will be a watchable game <laughs> Listen, as well. Listen, this, yeah, this will be a watchable game. Yeah. So 31-18 Nevada over Utah State go up 3-0. and yeah, I would take that any day of the week if you told me Nevada would start the season 3-0, and especially if you heard my preseason predictions. So, what are your predictions 
Or what is your prediction, I should say? So I got 38-24. I know the optics for Utah State's offense have looked horrendous through these first two games. You talked about it a little bit. Or you talked about it at length. I'll, I talked about it a little bit. Utah State's offense is just going to be better than it has been in these first two games. And I know that's a low bar to accomplish, but they're going to be better. And so I expect a high-scoring game. And But I do think it's a short, again, a short week like throws like intrigue into things because like how do we know how either of these teams are going to come out? Is Nevada going to come out slow? Is Utah State going to come out slow? Are both teams going to come out slow? I don't want to say like they're trying to prove people wrong because they were picked to finish second in the West Division in July. And of course there's no there's no divisions now, so I mean they're probably the third or fourth best team in the Mountain West. I mean, they're the third best right now, I would say, but heading into the season they were probably third, fourth, fifth best team. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, looking at it. But like they're hungry and they they're confident. And I'm not saying they're riding high because I think this team is confident and they want to keep the foot on the gas. They don't want to let up. They're not looking at Utah State being like, oh, let's take the foot off. They're like, no, let's let's slam it harder. Because this team, to be honest, this team right now is on cruise control, or at least it has been in these first two games. And I look for them to continue that trend tonight. No, oh, I like it. And I think Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs and this offense is going to have a great game. 500 yards of offense again, maybe? Or close to it? You know, when you have your quarterback throwing for over 300 easy money, it's pretty easy to rack up the total yardage. So I don't, it is. I don't see 500 yards. Isn't, it's certainly not out of reach as no. we've showcased this year. So, yeah, it's you we've can easily hit, chalk it. I think it was 496 in the first game and 497 in the second. So can they potentially break that five? It's a possibility. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and so... That's how I think the game's going to go. Do you have any more thoughts? No. No, I'm just excited. A Thursday. Dude, this is... It's going to be weird. This is weird. But football nonetheless. Football. Thank you again for the listeners. Reminder tonight, Nevada plays football at 4 p.m. Pacific time or 12 p.m. if you live in London. To our London listeners, 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. It's in Reno. No fans will be allowed. Isaiah's going to be there. I'm going to be bunked up at my house watching it and covering it from there. And, yeah, thank you for listening. See you next week. Oh, and a reminder. We all know we're in crazy times right now. And so I hope everyone just can take a deep breath, drink some water, and relax. Nevada, there's no, there's been no attention on Nevada like there has been like in a long time. So everyone in Nevada and everyone around the United States and potentially in the world, if you're listening to this, relax, take a big, take a deep breath. And you have Nevada football on tonight. It's going to be fun. There's some more Mountain West football. I can't remember the other game off the top of my head, but it starts at six on FS or on CBS Sports Network. I'm blanking on the matchup. But everyone take a deep breath and relax, drink some water. We'll see you guys next week. Due to some minoring scheduling issues, was why we're recording today instead of yesterday. We usually recorded Wednesday, but we ran into some schedule problems. Wouldn't ha- it's not going to happen again. But anyways, go back, take a deep breath, drink some water, have a nice weekend.